Thank you for tuning in to our Bold as a Lion Ministries podcast. Uh, for more teachings, uh, go to boldasalionministries.com. Uh, we have all of them posted weekly. If you like what you hear, feel free to subscribe to our iTunes, Google Play. Uh, use all those resources, play and download as much as you possibly want. Also, we're running a Project 500 campaign where we're trying to get 500 sponsors at $20 a month uh, to go towards our media ministry so that we can make it bigger and better for you every single week. We hope you enjoy our teaching. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. So it's even though we say elementary, it doesn't mean that it's not vital. Make sense? Elementary school is vital for high school. You can't go into high school without elementary school. You see what I'm saying? So just because we say elementary doesn't mean it's devalued. That makes sense? You know whenever elementary... Listen, you know when elementary becomes bad? When that's as far as you got. There's no growth. Nobody looks down on third grade unless that was the last grade you finished. You see? Nobody looks down on eighth grade unless that was the last grade you finished. All those grades, all those you know, elementary school years were very important for me to grow into the next level. So I've never looked down on my third grade year. But if it was my last year to go to school, everybody would think it was horrible. Oh, your, your last grade was in third grade? And they would think there was something wrong with you. You see what I'm saying? So the point is, elementary is not bad. Elementary is foundational. But if that's where you stop, then it is bad. You see? It's good stuff. You know why people stop at tongues? First of all, tongues takes faith to operate in. But tongues is not risky. I can do it quietly. No one can know that I do it. You see what I'm saying? I can go pray in my prayer closet in tongues and nobody ever hears me. I never take a risk. You know what I mean? But if I go lay hands on a sick person, that takes risk. Everybody's watching now. You know? Or, or at least the person you're praying for is watching. You know? So there's it takes more risk. These are the foundations and then you build on top of them. Okay, make sense? Mm-hmm. Alright, where are we at? Verse... Uh, I think we're still in verse 5. I wrote on here, Paul wants everyone to speak in tongues. The first century church never had a hang-up with tongues. In fact, they received this gift pretty well. That's why he has to help them move on toward other gifts. So, you know, the churches I grew up had a real problem with tongues. I don't even believe that they exist, you know, or they maybe they're not for us or... Or whatever. And in fact, I, I've even been in groups where they'll say, Oh, you speak in tongues? You should go down to that church. So, so you're cutting parts of your body off. And it's so strange why they do this. Because they'll use the same passages about spiritual giftings and say, We should value the body. And then they kick them out if they speak in tongues. Sounds like we're picking and choosing what's in our Bible. That's what it sounds like. We need to embrace all of it. All right. The gift of tongues is elementary. I already put this on here, but I'm going to read it again, okay? The gift of tongues is elementary. Its job is to build up the individual believer so that we can build up others. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12. We'll skip ahead for a second. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. 
Okay? So, everybody wants the spiritual gifts, but they're, they're worried about themselves and not really worried about building up the church. They want to be a good Christian. And I speak in tongues more than all of you guys. You know, look at me. Well, great. What are you doing with it? You know, you can speak in tongues. That's nice. Wonderful. Okay, but what are you doing for the body? What are you building up the body? You know, the whole point of spiritual gift, uh, the whole, whole point of the spiritual gift of tongues is to build yourself up so you can build other people up. Okay. The gift of tongues is when you pray in the spirit. Okay, so we're going to read a few more verses here. Verse uh, 6, it says, Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as a flute or harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready to for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Okay, so what people do is they skip the first five verses and read only those five verses that I read you, and then they say, oh, see, tongues is bad. And then they skip the next 12 verses. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So, we've got to read all of it. So, verse 13. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. Okay, so, check this out. If you're out there speaking in tongues, and you don't have an interpreter with you, then you should pray that you should interpret. So, if someone hears you, you can give some edification. Yeah. You see? See, whenever you're praying in the Spirit, you're speaking to God, and God is speaking to you. Okay? But it's only for you, your spirit, man. Does it make sense? So no one else is going to benefit it unless you have an interpretation. Yes, sir? I'll save it. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Oh, this is so good. All right, so. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14. Remember this one, okay? If I pray in the Spirit, my, what does it say? My spirit prays, right? My spirit prays. You ever heard that passage that say, pray in the Spirit on all occasions? All right, this is what it's talking about. And I used to, um, I used to uh, say that, that passage, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And I thought, okay, well, I'll pray all the time. I had no clue it was talking about tongues. And... Until I read this passage here, and I realized that First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse fourteen says, "When I pray in tongues, my spirit man prays." Okay, so if I'm going to pray in the spirit, I have to have tongues. You can't pray in the spirit without tongues. Praying. Does the word say that? Like that's that's what it says right here. It says, "When I pray in the spirit, my when I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays." First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse fourteen. Praying in the Spirit is speaking in tongues. Okay? Um, and it's actually Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Okay? Um, <clears throat> what was that second verse you just said? So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. 
Did you have something else on your mind? Because I'm open for correction. Um. Yeah, I want to see my questions for the end. Okay. I want to honor that thing that, okay. that we have as a rule. Okay. Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Ephesians 14, verse 14 says, when I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. Okay? And then Jude chapter 1, verse 20 says, but you, dear my uh, dear friends, build yourselves up in the in your most holy faith, and pray in the Holy Spirit. So pray in the Holy Spirit. And I believe it's talking about the same thing. Build yourselves up, right? Well, that's what Ephesians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter fourteen says: is that we we our spirit man is edified when we pray in the Spirit. And Jude one twenty says. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. You see, mm -hmm. so I believe these three um, these three verses work together and tell us that when we pray in tongues, we pray in the Holy Spirit. When we're praying in the Spirit, we're praying in tongues. So, in other words, if I pray in tongues, I build myself up. It's edification of myself. Okay, If I pray in the Holy Spirit, I also build up my most holy faith. So faith is increased through praying in tongues. Okay, Which is interesting. And the reason why is because you're hearing the Word of God. Because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in mysteries. Even though you don't understand it, your spirit man is built up in faith. Because your spirit man understands it. But your mind is unfruitful, the Scripture says. So over here, uh, so this is where we know you have a spirit... And a mind or soul and a body. Okay? So your spirit man gets built up. And your mind is unfruitful. Listen, when you when you pray in tongues, it builds your spirit man's faith. When you listen to the word of God, then your, your soul is renewed and builds up faith in your mind. Make sense? Your mind becomes transformed into what the spirit man is, is doing. This is also why we pray that we may interpret. So that when God speaks to us in the Holy Spirit, through our spirit man, we can say our mind needs to be edified as well. My spirit man is being edified, but my mind is not fruitful. How do I get my mind fruitful? Pray for interpretation in my prayer time. Father, I'm, praying in a, I'm, I'm speaking in tongues. Lord, teach me what you're saying to my spirit man so that my mind can be renewed to this truth. And that's prophecy. Now God's prophesying over you. That sounds really weird, but you can prophesy over yourself. <laughs> if this be true, you can prophesy over yourself. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay? I've never even said that before. That's kind of crazy. Alright, so, if I pray in the tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. This is why it's so confusing sometimes. People are like, well, am I making this up? Why? Because your mind thinks, like, what the heck are you doing, Zach? You're making up this language. What's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. It's your spirit, man. This is why whenever you pray in the spirit, you're not, you really can't think about what you're saying. It just has to come out. Like, when I pray in tongues, I can't think about what I, I could not tell you right now and write it out in words what I say when I pray in tongues. And the reason why is because my mind is unfruitful. And I try to get out of the way when I'm praying in tongues. 
I don't want my mind in the way because it always messes things up, you know. But one thing I haven't done actively, to be honest with you, just being real now, I haven't prayed for interpretation. Now, do I? Now, does God speak to me in my my, my private time? Yes, He does. So I believe I possibly am getting interpretation without even knowing it because I'm asking God to speak to me and to teach me. So I'm actually doing this without even knowing it. <laughs> I'm actually asking for this interpretation. I'm not even realizing I'm asking for it. Um, because God's speaking to my spirit, man. You see? It's interesting. This is good. Faith comes by hearing. That's why you speak in tongues. You don't really think in tongues. I mean, tongues is... Tongue... <laughs> right you can't the spiritual gift of tongues does not work without a tongue mm, yeah it's like the your spirit bypassing your soul and going straight to your flesh yeah you know and when i first started speaking in tongues i tried to make sense of it and then all of a sudden it changed like ah you know because my head i'm trying to make sense of stuff and it's not working it was the most offensive gift I ever had. Because I was so religious in my mind when I first started believing in this stuff. You know? And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. I'm going to operate in faith and just believe. And so then I just started speaking whatever came out. You know? I started seeing people get healed in different ways that I didn't even have faith for. I've been praying for their headache and put my hand on their back and speak in tongues and their back would get healed. I'm like, what? I wouldn't pray for your back, and, but I was praying in tongues, you know. All right, where are we at here? Uh, Paul speaks in tongues more than anyone, right? Okay, so what am I to do? For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. I like that. Paul's like, I'm a better Christian than you. I speak in tongues better than you. You know? That's so funny. I mean, Paul would get kicked out of our churches nowadays. Oh, you speak in tongues, Paul? And you brag about it. You're so arrogant. <laughs> anyway, I'm just playing around. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my, my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. If you go to church service and everybody there is just speaking in tongues the majority of the time, quit going to church there. We need the word. The word of God is what builds us up. You know? Yep. First, uh, let's see here. I'm looking at my notes and scriptures here. Paul speaks in tongues and he thanks God for it. Paul's not ashamed of his gift of tongues. Tongues are a sign, okay? So it says right here, verse 20, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking, but be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it's written, my, By people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even when they will not listen to me, says the Lord, Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. 
I always found that to be interesting. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders are, or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your mind? <laughs> but if all prophesy, this is, listen, unbelievers doesn't have to just be unsaved people. It could be people who don't believe in tongues. It's an unbeliever. Someone who does not believe in tongues. I'm not saying that they're not saved necessarily. I'm saying that it's someone who doesn't believe in tongues. Just like some people don't believe in healing. You know. Alright. So the outsider comes into your church and you're all speaking in tongues. You know. You could really mess some people up. Okay. Now keep this in mind. Back then they didn't have a problem with tongues. Everybody spoke in tongues. All of the church spoke in tongues. It was not an issue. Everybody was aware of it. This was the first gift that they all received when they came to know Jesus sometimes. They would get saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues. It was so normal back then that he had to write a whole chapter on it to tell them, hey, calm down a little bit. And now I'm having to use the same passage to tell people, hey, get excited a little bit. <laughs> you know? Uh, there's order, you know? But at the same time, uh, sometimes we can just kill something because we're afraid of it or we don't understand it. So I put on here, uh, tongues are a sign. In corporate worship and when speaking in the church up front on stage, tongues needs an interpretation because the reason for standing up in front and speaking in tongues is to edify the body. If you're on stage, your purpose is to encourage the body. So don't speak in tongues unless you, have, unless you know you're going to interpret the word to the body. We need to be... But even then, I don't even know how important it is to even speak in tongues on, on the stage unless it's a sign for unbelievers so people can say, oh, something's happening here. But other than that, I mean, honestly, uh, if you're speaking in tongues, you can speak to yourself and then interpret. It doesn't even have to be blatant out there. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying we should never do it. I mean, obviously, um, corporate, uh, public speaking in tongues was a thing. You know, and how, the, the next question is, how come we don't have it at all? You know, anyway, I think the thing is people got out of hand with it. And so we went to the other extreme and fixated, you know. All right, where are we at? Uh, verse 23. If, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders are unbelievers, right? It says they'll be out of their minds. See here. Verse 24. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. Sounds interesting. Sounds like they're pointing out a sin. Honestly, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It sounds weird. I don't know if that's what he's saying. Cause, you know, our, it almost sounds like the prophet is calling out their sin. You know what I mean? Say it again. You want me to say that again? Yeah, yeah read it again. But if all prophecy of all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. It's a little scary. It's a little different than what people teach about prophecy. You know. Prophecy is speaking mysteries. You know, letting it know. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among them. And it happened a lot in Old Testament, you know. I mean, in the New Testament. Uh, the, the apostles would come to a room and look at the man who says, uh, 
hey, give me this gift so I can lay hands on him. And he goes, I see that your heart is in the bitterness, the gall of bitterness. He says, you're, you let you perish with your money. And he's like, oh, pray that this doesn't happen. He repents right then. The guy repents. Why? And we think, oh, the kindness of the Lord brings about repentance. It does, but sometimes the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So Simon, the sorcerer, <clears throat> here's the thing. God knows better than us. You know, If what I'm doing is tearing down somebody, it's different. But Simon had a heart to, to see someone's life change. And he could see that this man was going to be a problem for the church if he didn't correct him. So he spoke prophecy over this man. It wasn't pretty. You know? All right. I think I think the real question is, what is what does conviction look like? Is it like, but it also says in the word that it says the uh, love of God brings a man to repentance. So is it conviction like harsh correction, or is it like a loving? Yes. Can I, can I take a whack at it? Okay. So the kindness of the Lord brings about repentance, and that shows you the heart of God, and it's God's heart for all to come unto him you know like it's it's god's desire for his bride god's desire for his children so um in this instance where you have an individual who could potentially like you said mess up the church right at that point peter is actually i think less than like taking an aggressive stance towards him he's taking a protective stance towards his flock right um and so I think in that instance, like, even though Simon wasn't, like, uh, where now we would look at that and be like, well, why didn't Peter just, you know, show him how much God loved him and stuff? I think that Peter probably did afterwards, <laughs> you know? But the thing is, like, he had his entire flock to, to care for and worry about. So at that moment, he had to show him the reality of what it was that he was doing. You know, and so he started, you know, yeah, you're rooted in the gall of bitterness. Yeah. And, and, Simon, and yeah. yeah, brought about brought about a fear. You scare off the wolf part, you know. Yeah. Um, and then you minister to the lamb part. <laughs> That's right. And Simon said, pray that this should not happen to me. And I believe Peter prayed for him. He did, yeah. He had to if he's going to be a follower of Jesus. All right. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. All right, so verse 26 we got here. Without an interpreter, he should speak to himself and to God. Here. Okay, in a corporate worship, and when speaking in the church, up front on stage, tongues needs an interpretation because the reason for standing up in front and speaking tongues is to edify the body, and only intelligible words will uplift the body. That's in verse 26. Without an interpreter, he should speak to himself and to God. This is 1 Corinthians 14, 28. The word speak infers that it's audible. But everybody's like, oh, you should stop speaking in tongues, even though I was speaking under my breath. Oh, you're speaking in tongues? Why don't you have an interpreter? Because interpreters are for public speaking, not for private prayer life. Interpreters are, are for big gatherings, not whenever you're amongst other believers. Okay? Speak in verse audible. You cannot speak silently. Or you, can, you cannot speak silently, but you can speak softly. You can't be silent and speak. Silent in verse, no noise, right? But you can speak softly. This means other people might hear you. So it isn't necessary uh, to have an interpreter when you speak to yourself and to God. You don't need an interpretation, and neither does God. Only other people need an interpretation when you're speaking to them in tongues. Verse 39 says, Do not forbid the speaking in tongues. Okay, I'm going to read a couple things here and close out. 
I'm just going to kind of read some of my summary here that I have. The idea behind 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is to encourage the church in the spiritual gifts, not discourage them. <clears throat> Paul is not discouraging the church from speaking in tongues. He is encouraging them to speak to to seek spiritual gifts. The Corinthian church was excessively good at speaking in tongues. But they were not excelling in other gifts. <clears throat> they were immature because they did not know how to move forward. Once again, Paul was humbling them, not tearing apart his their beliefs. They were super spiritual. They were slightly self-righteous. And he was teaching them to think outside personal devotion and edification. He was trying to make them ministry-minded. There is a problem. This is a problem we have in the church today. The gifts are designed to bring the good news of Jesus Christ into the world. The gifts are tools. Paul tells us to seek prophecy, which is the greatest gift. The more charismatic gifts are word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, miraculous signs and wonders, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, or what we call discernment, speaking in tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. There are a few others as well. We're not going to list them here. If we are allowed to seek this spiritual, if we are allowed to seek the greatest gift, which is prophecy, and that means the other gifts are definitely attainable as well. Of course, that's why Paul said to seek the spiritual gifts. Plural. Alright. So, I hope that this has helped everyone. Um, the idea of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 was to give us orderly worship. And to help dispel confusion. It was not designed to crush tongues. It was designed to teach what... It was designed to sharpen this this tool. Okay? Um, let's go over and see. I want to show you how important tongues is. Ephesians chapter 6. And then we'll close out. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the armor of God. Finally be strong in the Lord, verse 10, and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the, day, the evil day, and have, having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes feeded for the, for the gospel. Uh, in verse 16 says, in all circumstances take, circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the sword of the Spirit. So you have all your protective armor. The last thing is your sword, which is your attack weapon, right? If you don't go into battle with your weapon, eventually you'll grow weary and well-doing and you will drop your defenses and you will be killed. You have to have a weapon to slay your enemy. This is why it's important to know the Word of God. The Word of God is your sword. The scripture says right here, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Watch this. Verse 18 says this. It follows up with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray, same sentence. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints, and also for me. The words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, 
which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So verse 16 or 18 says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplications. Okay, so this is why we're talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 14. <laughs> verse 14 says, when I pray in tongues, my spirit man prays. And then over here in Jude 1 20 says, pray in the Holy Spirit, building yourself in the, up in your most holy faith. And right here in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions. All right, so the point is this. I can have the Word of God, okay? And I can use the Word of God as my sword. But when I pray in the Spirit, I believe that praying in the Spirit is knowing how to wield your sword. Okay? So it's kind of like the flare of your sword. Does it make sense? You've got your, your Word. You can use the Word. But when you pray in tongues, it helps you... Uh, it's the difference between, if you've ever watched the, the, the movie 300 Spartans, right? Uh, which, I'm not promoting that movie. Just saying. Uh, you learn, or if you just study the Spartans, it, one of the things that, uh, that the king Leonidas says, he says, uh, the barbarians, they hacked and sawed, and right? And the reason why he talked about that was because they all had a weapon, but they were not efficient with it. Okay? And they would hack and, 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 and stuff, you know, and they weren't really efficient with it. And so sometimes they would kill somebody. Sometimes they would hit someone's shield. Sometimes they would hurt somebody, but they weren't very effective. But the Spartans, every time they hit, they killed, okay, because they were efficient, all right? They knew how to wield their weapon. They were trained for battle. They were effective, and they were efficient. So I believe the same thing. When we're doing our spiritual warfare, Praying in tongues makes us more Spartan-like in our warfare. It makes us more efficient. I can have the Word of God, but speaking in tongues makes me more accurate. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so I believe that spiritual giftings, uh, we have. To, I believe that spiritual uh, gift of tongues helps us become more effective and efficient and accurate with our weapon. Praise God. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus for this teaching and for your good word. And Lord, I pray that many people will be blessed by it and will have wisdom and grown. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.